0: The following program is pre-recorded. Opinions expressed may not reflect those of Salem Media of Colorado or its sponsors. This is Life in Colorado, a radio news magazine about the issues, events, and the unique life we live in the
1: centennial state. Hello and welcome to Life in Colorado. Hi, I'm your host, Luis Gonzalez. I am excited to speak today with Tamara Ryan, CEO of the Women's Bean Project. Hello, Tamara. How are you? Hi. It's great to talk with you. So, Tamara, your organization helps chronically unemployed uh, women get back into the workforce, correct?
2: Yes, exactly. We hire women who typically haven't had a job longer than a year in their lifetime, though historically the average age has been about 38. They come to work for us for six to nine months. That's the program length. Mm -hmm. And during the time that they're working in our food manufacturing business, they're also working on themselves. So 70% of their paid time is going to be spent on the production line, in our shipping department, all the things that make our food manufacturing business operate. And then 30% of their paid time is working on what you call, the, call it the U job, the Y O U job okay. where they're addressing the things that have gotten in the way of their ability to keep a job.
1: Mm. So can you tell us just a little more about the mission and vision of the organization and how exactly it supports women striving for self-sufficiency?
2: Well, as I mentioned, we hire women who have typically not stayed in the workforce, and usually that's because they have a wide variety of barriers. One of the things I've learned in doing this work is that barriers don't happen singularly. They're often complicated and interwoven, and they look like things like histories of substance misuse, histories Mm. of incarceration. Um, low education attainment, so perhaps not having graduated high school or not having a GED. And the challenge is when all of these things combine, they make not just getting a job but keeping a job hard. Mm -hmm. And so we focus on, our vision is that when a woman leaves us, the services she has received are so effective and far-reaching that she's the last in her family to need us. Right. Yeah, I would love for there to not be any more chronically unemployed women in Denver metro area. Sure. we had would have to do something crazy like hire men
0: uh-huh. or move
2: to another city. Right, uh, that you know that's kind of our dream, um, and we want to make sure that we are pro- always providing these services in a way that meets each woman where she is, mm-hmm. and so our it's most effective for her. And that can include a lot of different things. It could be about not having great computer skills or any computer skills. It could also be about communication skills. Uh, You know, for instance, when there's conflict at work, how does she communicate with her coworkers and or her supervisor? Um, So it's we really try to be very well-rounded and address the whole person. The reality is, and I think the pandemic helped us realize this, that we bring our whole selves to work.
0: Right. Exactly,
2: and so if we can not only address the the skills like computer skills or financial literacy or planning and organizing, those are all important. What is also important is how does one how is one affected by past trauma? Mm. so we do a lot of work around uh, trauma building skills to decrease PTSD symptoms okay. we every woman who is in recovery. Develops a plan for her sobriety. Uh, we work with Colorado Mental Wellness Network. They have received peer support and then they develop a wellness recovery action plan. And so, again, those are just some examples of how we're really trying to address the whole person because she, both at Women's Beam Project and then in her future job, she will bring her whole self to work.
1: So, when a woman has been unemployed for, let's say, several years, what finally motivates them to reach out to you?
2: Women's Bean Project is a place I think people come when um, they recognize what they're doing isn't working anymore. Mm-hmm. So often a woman will come to us perhaps after she's been released from incarceration or when she's decided she wants to get custody of her kids back, right. when she's committed to her sobriety. So it is really... Um, a decision to create a different life we're mm. not a place that someone comes to stay the same we're a place to come when someone is committed to creating something different
1: and uh, how, how exactly does your organization specifically help women discover their talents and develop the skills necessary to join a workforce again
2: Well, we really try to create what we call a safe and accepting work environment. So it doesn't matter why someone comes to us. Mm -hmm. Really what matters is where she wants to go. So from the beginning, we talk about the things that have gotten in the way previously of her ability to both get and keep employment. And then we work with each woman to set her goals for what she wants for her life, so the program is very focused on what do we need to address right now, and okay. that could be she doesn't have stable housing or she really does need a plan for to support her sobriety. Mm. It could be those kinds of things sort of immediate needs that are about really basic uh, you know fundamental human ne- needs right and then we start focusing on where is she going so a lot of the conversation is around what would be your ideal career entry-level job when you graduate Women's Bean Project. Mm. So we're not trying to train, say, the future bean soup makers of America, because obviously that would be kind of limited. Right. Sure. We're t- really trying to help women identify where they are uniquely skilled and talented and where their interests lie so that they can look for a job in that field. One of the ways we do that is we do an assessment called career scope and it assesses both talents and interests, and then literally produces a list of possible jobs for that individual. By the time someone comes to the beam project, she's been told many, many times all the things she cannot do Mm. because with a felony background, there are lots of limitations for uh, where someone might be employed. So we focus instead on the possibilities and that, is a big part of how we help them, you know, sort of come into themselves. Uh, What I love is watching that process happen Mm -hmm. from the day she starts working with us. And maybe she's not quite sure what's going to happen during the time she's at the Bean Project, but maybe she has a little bit of hope about what is possible. But to the time she graduates and goes on to that Career entry level job. It's really an amazing thing to watch because we literally get to watch women blossom.
1: Wow. I'm speaking with Tamara Ryan, CEO of the Women's Bean Project, a nonprofit dedicated to helping women re enter the workforce. So, how do you measure the long term impact of your initiatives on the women you support and the broader community?
2: Well, we, to, in, in a more discreet way, for each individual, when a woman graduates our program, we measure did she go on to a job, at what uh, wage, et cetera. And then we follow up at 6, 12, 18, and 24 months. Okay. And what we know is that at a year, a year after graduating our program, 95% to 100% of women are still employed. Right. And to me, that's a really significant number because prior to coming here, she typically has not had a job that long. Right. And I, and I want to make sure that when she leaves us, change does stick, that we the metaphor we use is a toolbox. So during the time she's with us, she's filling her toolbox with the tools she's going to need when she's no longer at Women's Bean Project and she's out in the community. And so we uh, do a lot of follow up and ask questions about how effective and which parts of the program were helpful to her mm-hmm. so that we know we to continue to apply that or which parts were not effective. Um, One of the things, for instance, we learned during the pandemic was that what we see is that at two years, two things get in the way of employment. One is she's often taking care, two years post-graduation, I should say. One is she's taking care of a family member. Maybe she had a child, and so she's taking care of the child. Or she is dealing with health issues that are affecting her ability to work. So we determined that one way we can potentially affect that long-term health is by doing more health and wellness program programming at the beginning when she first uh, starts working for us. So I talked about that 70% of the paid time being spent in the business and 30% in program activities. Those program activities include things like a dental hygienist comes in and cleans it does teeth cleaning for okay. the women sure. optometrists come in and do eye exams and uh everyone who needs glasses gets them uh we have the mammogram mobile from denver health Com and and so that we we introduce the idea of health and wellness in, in and access to the healthcare care system hmm. um, we do nutrition classes um we ask the women other way, other things they'd like to learn about. And one example was recently they said they wanted a class on hormone health. Okay. And so we had uh, some uh, students from Denver Nursing College come and, and do a session on that. So what we're trying to do is, again, try to address the whole person mm-hmm. so that ultimately that those health and wellness um things don't get in the way of her ability to keep her employment long-term. So we're really, we're looking at the whole person over the long-term. What we know is that for those who are employed the majority of 36 months, so the majority of three years, the incidence of poverty is only 2.6%. So from Women's Beam Project's perspective, we are focused on that long-term. Because if we can help someone move into the workforce and ultimately keep a job, that is going to decrease the likelihood that she will live in poverty
1: exactly and so what are some of the bigger challenges uh, let's say a woman who goes to the uh, women's bean project will face towards self-sufficiency and and how do you help overcome them?
2: Well there are when you talk about bigger challenges or when you mention that, I think of the things that are Part of the system that mm. that make it challenging, right. so uh, as we all likely know, your listeners realize that minimum wage has increased pretty dramatically mm-hmm. over the last several years uh, in denver county today min- minimum wage is seventeen dollars and twenty nine cents an hour well, wow. which on the one hand is great, and on the other hand it's still well short of self sufficiency wage
0: okay,
2: and as a result of it being so high, what is happening for many of the women is that they're they're losing some of the benefits such as uh, food assistance or housing assistance or childcare assistance that they might need to make ends meet. And so that's one of the things that really gets in the way is that the system often works against uh, the, the individual in a really discreet way. And the system is can be really hard to navigate as well. So those are some things that, you know, um, we're working with women historically on a very micro level as as individuals. And we can see how they're being affected on this much bigger uh, level where decisions are made in Washington, D.C. that affect them, you know, boots on the ground here in Denver.
1: Absolutely. Right. So, um so how do you foster empowerment among the women you work with and encourage them to become agents of change in their own lives?
2: Well, I think that that's an interesting question in that too often, I think historically organizations like ours owned the change more than Mm. they allowed the person who was changing to own the change. Right. And so we recognize that it's our job to bring to bear the resources and the opportunity for change but ultimately it's the individual's responsibility to actually affect change for themselves sure and so someone might decide that it, it, that They don't want to avail themselves of the resources that we provide and that's okay so i think what we really focus on is not owning it more than the individual does and what that looks like is for instance when we sit down when our case managers sit down with a woman in our program and talk about what her goals are they're they're her goals and the plan for uh for reaching her goals is her plan. And then our job is to ask questions like, well, how does this thing that you want to do now, how does that affect your ability to achieve this goal? Mm -hmm. But it always is about her. It's what she wants to accomplish, not what we want her to accomplish. And I think it's important to remember that, that she is the owner of her own life and she gets to decide if it if and when she's ready to make change. And when she is ready, and as she's making that change, we will support her in that change. And I think that's a pretty important distinction, is that we don't own any of the change. She owns all of it. And when you own, what I've seen is when you own that change, and when you've made that change happen, you feel very empowered. I think there is this mistaken notion that it can give someone empowerment. And I really firmly believe it can create an environment where someone feels empowered. But mm. empowerment is not something one can give someone else.
1: All right. So I'm talking to Tamara Ryan, CEO of the Women's Bean Project, an organization that uh, aims to help women re-enter the workforce. So I think what people out there really want to know is what about the beans? Could you elaborate on the products your social enterprise creates and sells?
2: I'd be happy to. Uh, well, we started with our first product in 1989 was a bean soup mix, okay. 10 bean soup. So that's where our name comes from, why we're called Women's Bean Project. Through the years, we've expanded pretty dramatically. We have about 50 individual food products that we distribute all across the U.S. today. Uh, what I think is pretty cool about the story is that our founder was volunteering at a daytime homeless shelter for women and kids in 1989. She had gone back to school to get her master's of social work degree. So she was embedded in this organization for a whole school year. And what she saw was that women would come in and use the services of the shelter and the shelter would keep them safe. And eventually the women would leave because they'd get a job and they didn't need the daytime services any longer. But she was there long enough that she saw the same women coming back over and over again. And she thought, well, if I could teach the women how to work by actually working, that would be the cure for poverty. Hmm. She invested $500 of her own money in beans and hired two women to make 10 bean soup. And that was the genesis of Women's Bean Project. With that $500 investment, they made $6,100 in revenue that year. Wouldn't that be great to have that kind of ROI on every investment? Seriously and um and so that was the the beginning and one of the things i'm proud of is that we've have have adapted to the environment because in 34 years of course the world has changed around us but we're very true to that original idea that if we can help women learn the skills of working by actually working that will uh that will be the path to changing their lives mm. and so the bean soup mix was the first. Then we added some bean soup mixes. We have baking mixes also. So we have yeah. cookies and brownies and scones. Oh. And then um, we expanded to we have coffee because those are beans and chocolate-covered espresso beans sure. and a whole bunch of yummy snacks. So a whole bunch of stuff that's ready to eat, like cereal mix and ah. uh, raspberry gummy fish. That's one of the most popular snack items that we have. Well, Again, yeah. we... We've grown from selling locally, very locally. Mm -hmm. We're in every Kroger store in the state of Colorado. So King Supers and City Market. We're in Safeway stores. We're in all the Whole Foods in the region. And then we're in lots of little stores where – they are specialty stores for um, kitchen or 10,000 villages, sort of fair trade kinds of shops mm. and um, all across the U.S. And then lots of ways people can buy our products online, both womensbeanproject.com. Mm-hmm. And then we have a number of different relationships with, uh, with companies who sell for us.
1: That's great. So how can individuals and communities get involved with the organization and support the cause?
2: We are very easy to engage with, I think. Uh, You can purchase our products either at womensbeamproject.com or we have a store at our location. We just moved to 1300 West Alameda Avenue in Denver uh, about a year ago, and we can – You can volunteer. There are lots of volunteer opportunities. You can come for a tour on the 1st Friday of every month at noon. We do tours and it's fun to see our manufacturing operation Um, and we have. Hundreds of volunteers every year, so there are lots and lots of ways to get involved as a volunteer and then, you know, we do fundraise a portion of our operating budget is uh, raised through grants and donations, in addition to sales. And so we, um, and that helps support the program activities. So that's what makes the fundraising really important. That gives us the ability to pay someone while she's in a computer class and to pay the instructors to come in and do yoga, um, trauma-informed yoga. So grants and donations are also really important to us.
1: So do you envision expanding the reach and impact of the programs beyond Colorado nationwide?
2: We have decided to take a more open source mentality. So when someone calls us, which happens pretty frequently, when someone calls and says, Hey, could you bring women's bean project to my city? Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I don't think they're asking, could you teach us how to make bean soup mix? I think what they're really helping asking is, could you help us find, the programming with the business operations. And so we have adopted the attitude that we want to be very open source with the things that we've learned. I often say we have 34 years worth of mistakes. We could totally help Hmm. others avoid. And so that's that's really the approach we've decided to take. And we are involved with a number of groups nationally with other employment, social enterprises across the country to be able to share our knowledge.
1: That's great. So uh, can you share any upcoming projects or initiatives uh, the organization is currently working on?
2: Well, we are now that we're in our new building, which was a a number of years in the making, Mm -hmm. we are updating our strategic plan. And within the strategic plan, a lot of what we're talking about is now that we have this new facility, it's twice the size of our old building. What does what becomes possible in a building twice the size when the physical constraints of the size of the building are no longer in no longer get in the way. Hmm. So we're going to be growing our business. uh, And we're also looking to do work for other companies. So if there are any if in your listeners, there are any food manufacturers who would like to outsource some of their production, we would love to talk with them. And all of this is really geared towards serving more women and making sure that as I mentioned earlier, when we do hire a woman, we provide services so effective and far-reaching that she's less than her family to need us. We're also looking at ways that we might serve people in the community, women in particular, who we don't necessarily employ. And that's mm-hmm. been something that's not been possible in the past that we think could be possible now.
0: Okay.
2: So it's a variety of things, but it's really exciting to think about what becomes possible when when you no longer are constrained in a physical sense
1: all right why don't you uh, go ahead and uh, give out that, that website again again
2: we you can find us at womensbeanproject.com and we have a physical store at 1300 west alameda avenue in denver
1: so how has your founder's vision evolved and influence the growth and direction of the organization over the years
2: well, Jossie's original, Jossie Ayer was our founder. Uh, her original vision was really based on seeing women in a homeless shelter. And that was in 1989, mm. really before we were seeing the effects of mass incarceration of women. Wow! In the last 40 years, the female inmate population grew over 800%. And so what is what we have seen in the subsequent years from our founding that um, women – As they're returning back to our community, first of all, I do believe that our society judges women more harshly than men for having gone to prison and leaving their children. And so we're we're a lot more focused, I think, on the trauma aspects Mm. of of how women were affected by their experiences before they come to the BEAM project. Right. Um, And. We are also very focused on um, helping women develop plans for their sobriety, because that tends to be the primary reason why they have been incarcerated and why they've really struggled to uh, become stable. So those were things that I think in 1989, we weren't really seeing the effects of in the way that we do today. I will say also, you know, the, the pandemic, being so recent, really highlighted uh, housing as a huge problem for the women we serve. So what we're finding today is that 77% of the women who we hire are either in crisis or vulnerable in their housing, meaning that they don't have a long-term stable housing situation. Of course, if someone doesn't have a place to go home every night, you can't expect her to come to work every day. That is one of the things that we can't not address.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so uh, lastly, uh, Tamara, Ryan, um, how can our listeners in a broader community support the organization's efforts and contribute to the success of the woman you serve?
2: One of the most important things your listeners can do and the community as a whole is buy our products because Mm -hmm. sales create jobs. People can find us at womensbeamproject.com or in really any of the grocery stores locally, mm-hmm. um, that's a great way to to support us and also get the benefit of having these great products. Um, people locally in the Denver metro area can volunteer and, uh, and or come for a tour on the first Friday of every month at noon. And finally, uh, people can support us by, uh, for instance, on our website, rounding up and providing a donation because that helps support program
1: activities. Absolutely. Well, uh, Tamara, thank you uh, so much for uh, being a part of the program today and uh, talking to us about the women's bean project. Um, it's a fantastic organization. It helps uh, women uh, re-enter the workforce and you sell a lot of great products. I hope that our listeners can, Go to the website and support uh, any way they can, or find it in your local uh, King Supers or Safeways.
2: Yeah, thank you so much.
1: Oh, well, absolutely. Thank, thank, thanks again, uh, Tamara, for talking to me and for being a part of life in Colorado.
0: If you have questions or comments about today's program, please call 303 750 5687 or email us at lifeincolorado at salemdenver.com. Life in Colorado is a public affairs presentation of Salem Media of Colorado.